You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? So it tells us how this should not be. So if the birth of Jesus is to teach us anything, it is to teach that God can choose to hide the greatest of gifts in the poorest of packages. He wrapped his own son in a manger. And thus, we need to be careful the way that we relate to one another because of appearances. You've probably heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Basically, this means that you can't always tell the value of something just by looking at it. And you can see how this reality is clearly illustrated in the birth of Jesus. Today, Pastor Mike invites you to explore how the paradoxes found in the Christmas story should make a difference in your life. You'll be reminded that from the outside, Jesus was just a poor baby, born in a barn. But this child would change the world forever. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Luke chapter 2 as he begins his message, Born in a Manger, The Paradoxes of Christmas. There's a place for me in my father's house Where I long to be, oh my heart will not be troubled I remember what you said Welcome everybody to this special Christmas edition of In My Father's House. Our text today is found in Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and the title of this message is Born in a Manger, The Paradoxes of Christmas. So let's go ahead and begin by reading that text of Scripture. So Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, Cyrenius. So all went to the register, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, that is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him, for them in the inn. Now there went out in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all things, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was uh, told them. Okay, so let's begin today's message by uh, my saying, every person, I want you to think about this now, every person has a birthday, and most birthdays are remembered at least by the person himself and usually by his immediate uh, family. There's the phone calls, wishing us happy birthday, the text messages, the presents that are sent, the Starbucks gift cards, one of my favorite gifts. But no birthday has ever been remembered so widely as the birthday of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why do you think that is? Well, why do so many people remember his uh, birth? Christians as well as non-Christians. Well, of course, Christians remember because they love and cherish him. But millions of others are not Christians and yet also celebrate Christmas. So why has the birth of this one child, Jesus, so seized upon the minds and imaginations of men and women? Well, I think the answer to that question is found in the paradoxes of the Christmas story, one of which we want to look at in detail uh, today on the broadcast. But before we take a good look at that one, let's talk about some of the others. For example, the purity in the account of the birth of a child to an unwed mother. There's something wonderfully innocent about her being with child. There's an absence of distress and grief. I mean, it's a story of joy, which normally in most situations would have been a tragic. And then also we have the announcement of the birth of the baby Jesus to shepherds, the lowest of figures, in ancient Jewish society. You know, we, uh, it has been suggested to us, and I agree, that the reason why uh, the message was first delivered to the uh, shepherds tending to their flocks uh, by night in the field was because uh, they were symbolic of Christ's own ministry. Remember in the uh, Bible, Jesus is referred to and recommended to us as the good shepherd. 
And then also we have the neglect of Jesus by his own people while Gentile wise men came to worship him. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, verse 11, we are told that he came unto his own, that is the Jews, and his own received him not. But then in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, we're introduced to, in our cast of characters, these wise men, the Magi, who had come to worship this new king who was to be uh, born. So unlike other babes who came to live, this babe came to die. One of the other paradox of the Christmas story. He came to die for the sins of the world. So truly the Christmas story is filled with paradoxes, but there is one that stands out alone above all of the rest. And maybe it's this one that commands the attention of so many, and it captures our imagination. It is the paradox of the God of glory, Jesus, born to poor parents, born into lowly surroundings and laid in an animal's manger, a trough, a box made of stone and mortar. It was the feeding place for cattle. I mean, here is a child whose splendor before his incarnation surpassed that even of those heavenly beings who announced his birth to the shepherds. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is God in a stable the supreme potentate of the universe among his lowly uh, cattle. Now, this paradox did not escape the biblical writers. Not only was it known by them, it was actually emphasized by them. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, in verses 7 and 12, and also in verse 16. Let's go ahead and and rehearse those verses of Scripture uh, for you once again. Verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 12, And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a, a manger, as the angels were addressing the uh, shepherds who were tending to their flocks. And then in verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a uh, manger. And then also to further magnify this point, that is the babe's lowly position, notice here in our text, first there is a reference to Augustus Caesar, who was in that day the supreme and powerful leader of the entire world. And under his reign, wars were won, enemies were defeated, and Rome prospered. Wealth and glory flowed freely into his empire. This is the individual Luke mentions as he begins his account of Christ's birth. And so to us, and certainly all who lived in Luke's time, the the contrast between the power, fame, and glory of Augustus and the weakness, obscurity, and humility of the babe of Bethlehem is obvious. Now also notice the progression in the status of the five characters mentioned in these verses that serve as our text today. At the peak of uh, the social structure, we have Caesar, notice there in verse 1. Then we have Cyrenius in verse 2, who was a man of prestige and power. Then we have Joseph, uh, Mary's husband, the uh, father of uh, Jesus, mentioned there in verse 4, who was just a working stiff, And then we have Mary, the mention of Mary in verse 5. 
So according to the values of that day, Mary would have just been a servant. And then lastly, we have Jesus, an infant, the poorest of the poor, the lowest point on the social scale and register. And so there in verses 8 through 14, we are told the angels appeared uh, near Bethlehem. Uh, Caesar uh, would have been sleeping in Rome on a golden bed beneath sheets of fine linen, attended by servants, protected by the Praetorian guard. And then in contrast, we have Jesus wrapped in swaddling uh, clothes, which was a square piece of cloth lying in a manger. And his attendants would have been those beasts. This paradox has undoubtedly commended this story to many generations of people. It's irresistibly attractive everything about our Lord's birth. So Jesus descended, think about this now, from the peak of glory to this lowly position in order that he might raise us from our lowly position to his glory. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 8 and verse 9, there we are told, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So Jesus endured a human birth to give us a new spiritual birth. For example, in John's Gospel in chapter 1 and verse 12, there we are told, as many as believed in him gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. And so Jesus occupied a stable, that we might occupy a mansion. Remember, Jesus spoke of that mansion in John's Gospel in chapter 14 and verse 2. He said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. He had an earthly mother so that we might have a heavenly father. He became subject that we might be free. He was poor that we might be rich. He was hunted by Herod that we might be delivered from the grasp of Satan. Remember there in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, in verse uh, 16, the slaughter of the uh, innocents, all of the male uh, children under the ages of two uh, and under uh, were to be executed there in the city of Bethlehem. So this is the great paradox of the Christmas story. It is that which makes it irresistibly attractive. It is the reversal of roles at God's cost for our benefit. Now, there are three lessons for us to learn here. The first of which is no Christian should judge by appearances, especially by those that impress the world greatly. You know, we have this tendency to think more of a person who has an important position in the world a prominent professional person, like, for example, some uh, doctor or actor or uh, athlete, you know, someone uh, famous. Now, James addresses himself to this subject, and James noted in his day how the chief places at feasts were given to those who had position of fine clothing. For example, in his epistle, in James chapter 2, in verses 4 and 5, there he tells us, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, 
Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? So it tells us how this should not be. So if the birth of Jesus is to teach us anything, it is to teach that God can choose to hide the greatest of gifts in the poorest of packages. He wrapped his own son in a manger. And thus, we need to be careful the way that we relate to one another because of appearances. So that's the first thing that we should take away from this story. And then secondly, we should also learn that it is impossible for us to judge the end of anything by its beginning. Now, in reality, the end of the story of the birth of Jesus is found in those great passages in the book of Revelation, which the whole of creation is brought forth to worship Jesus. Like, for example, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9, uh, 12, and 13. Verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, referring to Jesus, and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, and of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Then in verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the lamb forever and uh, ever. Okay, so Jesus is being worshipped there in heaven as the second person of the Godhead. Surely this is no more exalted position, no more brilliant success in all the universe or all of world history. Yet who would have imagined this outcome from the lowly beginning in the city of Bethlehem so many centuries ago? So gang, you just never know You don't know what God is going to do. Listen, don't be disheartened by what are apparently your own small efforts to do God's work to spread the gospel or by your own weak beginnings in your Christian life. God is not finished with any of us yet. His gospel has not yet run its course. He has told us that we will be like Jesus one day. You cannot see the end of these things from the beginning. Hey, listen, we all have a great hope for great things. What a bright future we have ahead of us. And then lastly, there is a lesson here in what the Christian life should be like and also addresses itself to how to truly celebrate Christmas. The message of the incarnation uh, is that we should humble ourselves and give ourselves uh, for other uh, people. For example, in the book of Philippians, if you quickly uh, turn there with me, in the book of Philippians, in chapter uh, 2, in verses 4 through uh, 8, let me read that there uh, for you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. There we are told, let each of us look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ uh, Jesus, who being in the form of God, his very nature was God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Notice the Bible is clear that Jesus is equal with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, but made a choice, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of a man. And so Jesus emptied himself for us. He laid aside his great glory in order to help us. So here's the question. Do we lay aside our ambitions, our comforts, our wants to help those who need help? And this should take place especially during the Christmas season. For there are thousands for which this is the worst time of the year. There's so many lonely people. For some, it will be the first Christmas since the death of their beloved husband or wife or son or daughter, mom or dad. And they will be reminded of that loss with every carol that has been sung, every merry Christmas that is broadcast and expressed, and still others have poor health and they'll be left out. Some will be separated from families, foreign students in our country, those who have to work over the holidays, parents who are separated from their children because of the failure of their marriage. These are the people that we need to reach out to during this time of the year, during Christmas. We need to show mercy. We need to bless someone who can never return the favor. And what a great evangelistic opportunity this is. Remember, gang, you were on the outside yourself once. You were separated from Christmas in two ways. As a Gentile, you were separated from Israel's Messiah. And then secondly, we are a sinner, barred from God's blessing by sin. But praise God. And this is the essence of what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to include you, to cleanse you of your sin. And if you know him and love him, you'll reach out to others. Hey, listen, gang, uh, this is the way that we should celebrate uh, Christmas. And so, gang, have a blessed, holy, happy, and Merry Christmas. God bless you and thank you for turning in to this edition of In My Father's House. In my Father's house Where I long to be Oh, my heart will not be troubled I remember what you said You returned that I might live You've been listening to a special Christmas edition of In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venezia. Before you realize it, the Christmas season has snuck up on you and you feel like you're running out of time to get everything done. But the busyness of this season can often take away from the true reason that Christmas is celebrated, and that's Jesus coming to earth as a baby. So as you're running from place to place, finding this thing or that, don't forget to remember the real celebration that's happening. Jesus came to earth for you. He came as an unassuming, humble gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and put in a manger. When you think about it, it's truly something to be grateful for. 
We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching from Pastor Mike. To listen to this message again or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on what's happening. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you need more directions, go to harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday, so if you're not able to be with us in person, that's okay. Our Thursday evening service is also online at 7.30 p.m. We'd love for you to join us virtually. Find out all you need to know on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We love your prayers for this ministry, and if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening today. On behalf of Pastor Mike, his staff, and all the good people at Harvest Christian Fellowship, have a blessed, holy, and healthy Christmas. We're all praying that this broadcast will help you to draw closer to Jesus our Lord and know Him better this coming year. Please continue to pray for us and the effectiveness of In My Father's House.